Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. We are here with Michael Tillery. You know him. He's written for Sports Skeeter, for Anscape, for several other major publications because he's that guy. And he's our sports guy. We are lucky to have him. And uh, Michael, I just got to ask you something because we're celebrating National Winers Day today. I don't know if you know that that is the day. And I feel like the Eagles fans, they're just doing way too much whining. It was a win. Can't we just be happy with this win? I've stuck to the same uh, personality with the Eagles every game this season, whether they won or lost. For the team, just for the city, just to be patient. You know, there there were going to be some some uh, growing pains with new coordinators. I do think, and I always think that the Eagles panic by you know firing um, Desai. You know, but it, they won yesterday. They have two more games to get it right. We'll see if that gets done. Michael, have you ever heard so much drama from an 11 to 4 team, though? I saw the comments after the win against the Giants last night. The Eagles won 33 to 25, and yet people were still upset. I look at it this way. If you, if you did the Chicago and were a Chicago Cubs fan or a Boston Red Sox fan, you know, before they won championships. You know, for for the city to be so entitled, it, it's won championships. You know, much recently, it was at one time in five eight NFC Championship games, eight years under Donovan McNabb when Andy Reid was here. You know, so th- this is a, a, a city that has nothing to complain about because the team has been successful for the last tw- two decades. Well, let's hear from Jalen Hurts. What did he have to say about, uh, well, we'll hear from Jalen Hurts in a minute, but, you know, let's hear from Devontae Smith. He said, and again, we're talking about a win here. Devontae said, we're not playing good football right now. He said, as an offense, we're not where we need to be. He said, I'm not satisfied. Yeah, we got 11 wins, but I'm not happy. It needs to be better for what I want to do in every Body else in here wants to do what we want to be. Let's hear what Jalen had to say. It is. Um, just, just, just find a ways to eliminate those things. You've been talking about all year long about playing up to a standard, playing with guys the best ball. How close or how far away from you guys, you know, to that standard? You know, how far? Yeah. I love to say we're close. Um, I love to say we're close, and I think, um, I think it's trending in the right direction. I think it's trending in the right direction. You know, you demand such uh, excellence of yourself and, and um, you got the type of guys we have on our team. Um, everybody's going to be eager to grow. Everybody's going to be eager for more. But, you know, when, when did winning not become the main thing? You know, and I think with, with, that, with that standard that we talk about, though, um, with that standard that we talk about, it's like that double-edged sword of, you know, what's more important, winning or the standard. By the way, it's, it's, it's a uh, very manipulative thing to the mind sometimes, but I can go play to the standard and lose and I'll be sitting at home sick. I can go win and I play to the standard and I can be like, man, we got some more in us. You know, we, we can go chase it. So it's that, double, it's, it's that fight that we battle as, as, as competitors. 
By the way, that was our own Chris Murray that asked Jalen that question. Now, Michael, at least uh, Jalen sounds like he's thinking on a positive uh, level here. What, what about the fans and the rest of the team? I mean, is it good news that we want or, or, or not? <laughs> Man, shout out to Chris Murray. It's good to hear his voice. That's my dude. Um, you know, it again, you know, I, I wonder how people act in their normal lives <laughs> when, when adversity hits them, you know, <laughs> for them to go just so crazy, you know, after this team, I understand that the Eagles have put everybody's nerves on a shipwreck. You know, I, I totally understand that, you know, this team is winning again. They, they have two more games to get it right. They go out to Arizona where they lost in the Super Bowl in the desert. So they'll have that extra incentive to, to get that game done. And then they finish up with the, the Giants up in New York. So the adversity is always going to be there. They just have to respond. You know, the Eagles this, this year could have two receivers go over 100 catches. It's only happened one other time. You know, Juju uh, Smith-Schuster and, and – um, uh, Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh in 2018. You know, so they have a statistically a great team. They give up a lot of points. And as we saw last night with the Baltimore Ravens not giving up so many points, they have to fix their defense. Well, uh, even A.J. Brown seemed uh, upset. He did not even talk to the media when we're talking about our stellar crew of receivers. They both seemed uh, a little upset after last night's win. Let's remember when. Uh, what's up with A.J.? Well, you, know, you could see, you could see him talking to Sirianni. Um, you, you could see a bunch of the other players, you know, uh, speaking very heavily to Sirianni during the game. You know, I, I wonder early, and I spoke about this previously, if there was a rift between AJ and, and his buddy Jalen Hurts. We you know to see, um, you know, AJ sit down next to him, you know, in the latter stages of the game was, was a comfort for me because I thought that that was the rift. You know, there is something going on within this organization. I don't know what it is. I can't speculate to say anything. What, to what I think it is, but there's something going on. I think that it speaks to that panic move that I alluded to earlier with the firing of def their defensive coordinator. We spoke last week about you know, the team get it together or, or people are going to be shipped out of here, you know? So the Eagles are trying to make sure they write this ship and be preemptively get in front of what is going to ail them versus the good teams in the playoffs. Uh, by the way, Troy wa Troy wanted to let us know that the uh, Eagles will actually be at home against the Cardinals th this weekend, which is good news, actually, because the Cardinals should not be tough competition. And it's better if the Eagles are at home again, despite the salty fans. I think that uh, they can come out and support the team, hopefully, to a win. Now, you did reference the Ravens, and that is a whole different organization going on over there because I saw some of their plane ride uh, coming from the game last night in San Francisco where they were victorious 33 to 19 and they were having a good old time. So is Lamar Jackson the MVP? Well, I, I said it, I think I said it last week that, you know, if Lamar beats the 49ers and he is prohibitively the, the MVP, you know, um, as he should be, you know, he, has probably done the most with less of any quarterback in NFL history. He's, what, 61 and, and 24 over his career. He's only 25 years old. Mm. It's crazy that him and Jalen Hurts are the same age. 
you know, it seems like he's much older than uh, Jalen because he's been in the league longer. But, you know, they're the same age. This is crazy that the NFL will have all these young talents, you know, be here for the next 10 to 15 years. In Lamar Jackson's case, you know, he's figuring out with, with Todd Munkin as his offensive coordinator, you know, they're really putting together a game plan for Lamar to be successful, even given that, you know, Odell Beckham, it hasn't caught his stride yet. You know, Zay Flowers, you know, is a really good player. He had nine for 72 in a, in a touchdown yesterday. You know, Lamar had 252 yards. He had, you know, another 45 on the ground. So the, the statistics are never gaudy, but it seems like he makes these plays in spots that no other human can do. I mean, I, you must be talking about there was one play where he got the ball, he evaded a couple of tacklers, and then he rushed downfield for, I think it was th- a 31-yard play. And you're just like, this guy just looks like a, he's in a video simulation or something. You can't even believe, like his elusiveness is what makes him great. Now he's stronger in the pocket, and there are a lot of uh, people that have acknowledged that. But I think the most satisfying thing about this win is that we've been tracking black quarterbacks all year long. And And the thing about Lamar winning, particularly over the 49ers, they were the team that had all the hype coming into this game. They were the favorites. Brock Purdy's gone from Mr. Irrelevant, the last guy drafted, to now a starting quarterback for the 49ers. They really looked like the team to beat. And they were because the Ravens beat them. And really, they beat them. uh, They beat them definitively, which I think is the key thing. So all these folks that were saying Lamar didn't deserve his contract and there was all that weird stuff around around uh, Lamar getting injured and then they they you know he had to explain the extent of the injury and then it was the back and forth with the Ravens that he finally got this record-setting contract and then he's been balling ever since so all these pundits really will have to give him his props and I that just satisf- satisfies me more than anything else because we know the history of black quarterbacks in this league. Well, they give, they give, you know, they discredit Lamar, but he, this year he's played in 15 games. If he plays one more game, then he is a career high in games played. So as long as Lamar Jackson is on the field, I think that he is the most valuable player in the NFL. As long as he's in the game, the Ravens have a chance to win every game. Now, we have three quarterbacks tracking our black quarterbacks again that are having some challenges. Uh, Let's start with Dak Prescott. The Cowboys lost against Miami, and now everyone is wringing their hands over uh, what the Cowboys season that seemed so promising at one time is looking like. You know, Dak is obviously must belong over the course of his career. You know, when he, he, you know, puts out, you know, a, a lot of production, he still gets the criticism. Um, you know, that was a game that you thought that the Cowboys might win, but you did in the back of your head, you said they're going to lose this game. It's just, it's just what they do. They don't win on the road. Mm-hmm. It's a bad team on the road. And for them to lose such a game when all they had to do was keep winning and hope that the Eagles could lose to get that division title, you know, is is bad. That was a really bad loss despite losing to 11-14. 
Now, more than any other fan base right now, the fan base that I think legitimately should be wringing their hands and pulling out their hair is the Kansas City Chiefs fan base. They were also losers. And that is, I think, a little bit more uh, surprising than, again, the Eagles winning (laughs) and the fans being upset. Like, what is going on in Kansas City? Well, I mean, to me, it's obvious. I, I think that early in the season, you know, when, when we begin to talk about the NFL, you know, I mentioned the loss of Eric Bieniemy. You know, the fact that Eric Bieniemy isn't the offensive coordinator holding his, even his quarterback, who's an all-pro, you know, Hall of Fame, you know, type quarterback, he, he held Patrick Mahomes accountable. He held Andy Reid accountable. You don't have that iron no longer in the locker room in practice, you know, holding that clipboard, you know, challenging Andy Reid on what play should be called here, you know, and for him to be gone, you're just seeing a lot of dysfunction that's going on in Kansas City, being they don't have that galvanized part that can even speak to the new receivers on the team and get that ship on the right course. Well, you know, they lost to the Raiders 20 to 14. And while that is probably bad news for Kansas City and their fans, it's good news for Raiders Nation. It looks like this team is rallying around Antonio Pierce, who is a black coach. And if he is retained by the Raiders, which I think people want to see happen in Raider Nation, it's a good thing because it adds to the black coaches, uh, black head coaches in the league, which right now are the Texans, the Steelers. Uh, I guess we'll count Miami Dolphins because... (laughs) McDaniels' daddy is apparently African-American, so we got to count him. And, you know, is Pierce going to be able to keep uh, things going for the Raiders? And does this mean that he will get the job next year? You know, Mark Davis, you know, really has been really supportive of Antonio Pierce. You know, know, coming out of Arizona State, you know, and and doing things in terms of a coaching uh, standpoint, you know, being with – so many people who have supported Antonio Pierce. All he needed was to shop. As, as many of these black coaches, you know, basically languishing on these sidelines. Look at Stephen Wilson last night, you know, for San Francisco 49ers. He got a one-year shot with Arizona. Now he's going to be offensive. He might be a defensive coordinator for the rest of his years. Hope that doesn't happen. You know, so Antonio Pierce has the fire. He has the leadership. He's not, he just seems like one of those coaches that's not far removed from him on the playing field. So he can kind of give, you know, players that context of, of what happens when you do this or what happens when you do that based on him as a player and not as a coach. And I think that's the reason why the players are, you know, really falling in line when it comes to Antonio Pierce. Yeah, well, they said he preached violence to the team uh, prior to the game. And also, even during the sideline interview, he said, yeah, we got to get him by the throat, which they did. And he was pretty emotional. And I'm pretty sure he was emotional because, you know, that brother's trying to get him a J-O-B. Now, Russell Wilson, you know, he and the Broncos lost to the lowly Patriots 26 to 23. It was a close game. They came back. But I don't know what's going on with Russell. And Geno Smith, Justin Fields, Jordan Love, of all black quarterbacks who came away with the wins. And of course, we got to acknowledge the Detroit Lions, NFC North champions for the first time ever. So congratulations to them. And we are back and we're here with Michael Tillery, our sports guy. And it's National Winers Day. 
So we know there's some salty Eagles fans out there despite the win. I mean, figuring, listen, the Eagles were wrapping up the regular season with the Cardinals and the Giants. We ought to be able to take one of two, if not two of two, two of two, should be two of two, really. Uh, who is the biggest threat to the Eagles in the next uh, or the first round of the playoffs? Well, we don't know what the playoff is, is, is are going to be yet because there's still so many different projections and scenarios based on who wins and who loses and all these teams that are sitting there at eight and seven kind of like, you know, waiting for their chance to be the spoiler or whatever they're going to do. It's an interesting end to the regular season on the way. So who do the Eagles have to be uh, mindful of or wary of in some of these projections? You know, Todd Bowles in Tampa Bay is turning out a, a good team in Tampa Bay, even with, you know, Baker Mayfield as a quarterback. You know, they're 8-7. and seven. They have a chance to, you know, infiltrate the playoffs. And if they do, a hot team like that with a, a great defense will, will be able to be successful in, in any given Sunday, just how it is. Um, I I only think, in, in my part of hearts, that San Francisco is the team that's going to be in the way of the Eagles getting to the Super Bowl. I don't think at this point that the Lions are ready despite their offensive firepower. You know, when Cam Newton was speaking about, you know, game management and such, you know, he's brought up, you know, Jared Goff, you know, he's going to be pressed with pressure in his face to do the same thing that he's doing during the season in the playoffs. And that's something that just hasn't transpired. In Detroit, that's not not a diss to Detroit. Teams just want to see them do it. You know, Dallas Cowboys. You know, with all the drama swirling, almost in comparison with the Eagles from year to year, you know, it's going to be right there. But you know, they, they're going to be one of the teams that's going to face you know that other wild card team. You know, and if they can get past that game, which possibly will be at home. You know, if, ever, if all things finish out right now, the Eagles will be the NFC East champions based on a tiebreaker, you know, with the Cowboys. You know, so if that transpires, then, you know, Dallas will have to play another team that's going to be hot and hungry. You right. Know, the, the Eagles have to do the same, but I, I think that the Eagles are battle tested enough that once the playoff starts, they'll turn it on. Well, as they say, hungry dogs, well, they are hungry. And that means they want to eat. So let's hope that the Eagles and all the saltiness around the team and the fans are making them hungry and uh, willing to, to, to go to the wall to prove that they are the best in the NFC East and ultimately in the NFC. So we'll have to see how that goes. Now, Michael, we had a little controversy over the holidays, something that spilled kind of beyond sports. And this was the controversy over Jonathan Owens, who is a safety for the Green Bay Packers. And he is also the husband of one Simone Biles, who I know is one of your favorite sports uh, women. And uh, this controversy came about after an appearance that Owens made on the Pivot podcast. And when he was asked by one of the hosts, Ryan Clark, who we all know from ESPN, if he was the catch, he said, yeah. He said, in fact, Simone booked me. Simone came to me. She responded to me on Zaya or Raya, I think is the app that they were on uh, that is geared to famous people. And uh, then he said she drove 45 minutes to come and see him. 
So people jumped all over this one soundbite from this interview to the point that Ryan Clark actually had to respond. So let's hear his clip. If Jonathan Owens is happy, why do you care how they start or what jokes they make? This is a couple that has found their own way and they found their way to one another in a very unique fashion. And just because you feel like he should be worshiping the gymnast Simone Biles doesn't mean that you can't respect that he's in love with the woman Simone Biles. Man, that's their relationship. And if they could smile, you should stop frowning. And despite all the backlash, Jonathan seems unfazed, letting fans know that his marriage is still a perfect 10. Taking to his IG December 21st, posting a series of and, photos from their wedding in Mexico. And you know, I... um. That uh, clip was Ryan Clark responding to the controversy. And uh, the thing is, there were people, and you know now, there's a hundred million sites, there's sports sites, there's gossip sites, there's this, that, and the other. So one of the things Jonathan also said was he didn't know who Simone was. Now, what do you make of this controversy? You're a guy, you're a sports guy, but you're also a man. Uh, does it seem like he was trying to say, and this is what a lot of the criticism was, was that he was the catch. He was trying to diminish her and her achievements and the fact that she's the greatest gymnast of all time. And, you know, he kind of was playing her like, yeah, just some girl who liked me, even though they are now married and seem by all accounts to be perfectly happy. Renaissance men become renaissance men once they go through the renaissance. Okay. <laughs> This guy is, is born in 1995. You know, he's my daughter's age. <laughs> you know, and it, 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 these these athletes that are coming up now, they, they, they just hyper-focus on their craft because they see the bag. You know, and the only way to get that bag is to focus tremendously and honestly on what they put forth and what is in front of them. I, like, it, I think I'm different. I think other guys are different who follow women's gymnastics. A, a lot of people don't see the representation, especially from our people, so they don't follow it, despite Simone, you know, Gabby Douglas and others, you know, being a prominent fixture in this sport. It's just something they just weren't interested in. It's not it's not something that's glamorous as a as an athlete, you know, even as a sports fan, you know, these women, as great as they are, you know, are 24-7, again, focused on their craft as well. So publicly, they might not see certain things on the football side as well, you know. But what I saw in that interview is a very extensive interview, and everybody that's listening should watch the full interview. I saw a young couple in true love, you know, the way even she was speaking from the sideline while they were doing an interview, you know, the stuff that, you know, Channing Crowder was saying, you know, they, they both you maintained their poise and spoke about each other. You know, the, the fact that Jonathan Owens went through so much with stepfather being killed, you know, when he was his mentor, you know, his mother being the primary advisor to him, you know, especially financially, probably set him up to be the man that he should be for someone like Simone Biles to come into his life. You know, I, I, I saw an old couple there. It almost gave me chills because they seemed like they were years into their relationship. And it's something that's brand new. I think that they found each other as soulmates. 
And they're going to have to fight through, you know, all the challenges of celebrity, of being a celebrity, you know, of being attached to Taylor Swift, you know, and uh, uh, Travis Kelsey, which is ridiculous. Uh, uh, Jonathan Owens is becoming this force for the Green Bay Packers. And because the entire team is almost the same age, we might be looking at a future champion. When he becomes a future champion, you know, he'll be able to speak a little bit about being the champion that Simone Biles is. I don't think people understand that she is most likely going to be the greatest athlete of our time. She is that great. She is that dominant. She took two years off and she's still dominating. Like, <laughs> what else do we want to see from her? But I totally understand that he might not be a gymnastics fan. Like when you're riding around, sometimes you might see little girls at tutu, they're going to buildings, you know, (laughs) Um, not many men are in there. (laughs) I was there because my daughter was one. And I wanted to see her do anything. She's been playing nine sports in high school, you know, but it's, it's really difficult for me to get on Jonathan Owens about not knowing who this goat is. I think that what he also meant was probably when they first matched, he just saw, I'm sure she wasn't, you know, maybe there in her Team USA uh, leotard in her, you know, posting uh, for a social media website. I think he saw that she was a gymnast. He acknowledged that. So I think people, he, he may have lost that in context. Also, Ryan Clark, who sometimes is a low-key hater, low-key hater to me, he teed this up because he said, oh, so you were the catch. And if you watch the Pivot podcast, which is Fred Taylor. Taylor, Channing Crowder, and Ryan Clark, all three former football players, they come on there, they do their man thing. Simone happened to be there when this interview took place. They cut to her. She was laughing and rolling her eyes when he was talking. But Simone also said, hey, I knew what I wanted and I went for it. And he said, I wasn't looking for it, no wife, but I found one and I'm happy. And the entire hour-long interview that was totally ignored. He talked about overcoming adversity in multiple places. He talked about how he got cut from Arizona, how he didn't know where his football career was going, but he stayed on the, the hustle. He ended up in the Texans on their practice squad, made his way to Green Bay as a starting safety. And even Simone said one day they'll be saying, I'm Jonathan Owens's wife, not he's Simone Biles' husband. So this to me was a convergence of a lot of things. People taking a soundbite and running with it, a ton of people who don't watch sports who decided to jump into this controversy and also this really odd thing that we have going now in this male-female dynamic when the woman is successful. How would people have felt if he was like, yeah, I knew she was Simone Biles and I was like, yeah, come on, girl, as opposed to him saying, I didn't know who she was at first. I just liked her. And I responded to her affirmatively when she said she wanted to check me out as some guys would have been intimidated and said, oh, no, that's too much. I'm I'm supposed to be doing the the chasing. So I think a lot of things that he said were taken out of context. They were put into this mixture of social media, just negativity when 
everything that we have seen and heard from this man, from her not being able to perform initially at the Olympics to all these things that he has said and done have been absolutely positive towards her as a woman, not as a gymnast, not as the GOAT, but as a woman. So I think people missed a lot of this context. And we've got to get over this idea that if you're a successful woman, if the man is doing something different or he's not quite as successful as you in the financial or in the world of celebrity, that he's some kind of dusty bum. Like, I don't understand where this is coming from. And this is this is causing us a lot of uh, 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 consternation in our community. But I think we got to do better on that one. That's my take on it. Yeah, we, we definitely do. You know, this this men and women, you know, at each other's throats on social media. I never partake of even when my friends post something in, in that regard. I, I try to steer away from that because you know, everybody's going to come from their own passions, you know, their own experiences. You know, I, I definitely got Ozzy Davis and Ruby D vibes from that couple, you know, and what I felt the most in terms of energy in that room is the dominance of Simone Biles. Her going through what she went through, you know, and having, you know, these moments where she didn't feel confident about her super abilities to continue on. Instead of hurting the team, she backed out, took a t- took some time off, you know, galvanized with her husband. They become married, you know, in the time. You know, nothing that social media can tell them is something they already haven't gone through with each other. Right. And that's really, you know? that's really, that's, that's, the, it. that's the bottom line. He's been supportive. We're going to see him be supportive while she's in the Olympics doing goat things again next summer. In any case, Michael Tillery, always a pleasure to see you. Our sports guys, thank you so much. National Winers Day. Come on, Eagles fans. Let's, let's become more positive and get through on to the playoffs. Michael, thank you for your perspective and happy Kwanzaa mm-hmm. and happy holidays to you. Happy Kwanzaa, happy holidays. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com. 